0: Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father, and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. This most wonderful, wonderful time of the year, there is something for me, that it has always fascinated me and drawn me about this, this whole idea of Christmas, the season of Christmas, this, this time of Christmas. And sort of as I came into the faith and became come to know Christ, sort of an understanding that Jesus definitely was not born on the 25th of December, that His birthday probably was somewhere closer to June and July. But there's something about this day that has not only been tolerated by the world, but is embraced and celebrated by the world. It's weird for me that there is this one part of Christianity which a fallen and a broken world completely embraces and receives. On one part and one element of sort of a component in a sense of me loves that because today I love the fact that all across the world, The Hindu world, the Muslim world, the Buddhist world, the secular world, the Christian world, the name of Jesus is on the lips and the minds of people across the world. There is something about Christmas that the whole world is drawn to. I know some of the most staunch atheists who celebrate Christmas. People who believe there is no such thing as God, but this day of Christmas is special. I know Muslims who would go out of their way to celebrate Christmas. Don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but there is something that just intrigues us about this day. There is something about Christmas that the whole world yearns for. Obviously on one element, one part of it, I guess, is a little bit of the commercialization of it. Some of us may not know this, but you know Santa Claus as we know him today? The man with the white beard and the red coat and the black boots. Does anybody know where that image comes from? A Coca-Cola advert. This idea that this whole world has been drawn into on the one hand this commercialization of this day that we celebrate there's an entire music industry around christmas anybody who's ever made a cd or an album has made a christmas album there entire movie industry almost that kind of movies that are made just for and around christmas it's amazing to me how people would live the most lewd lives ever, and then they'd bring out a Christmas album as a musician. And I'm like, how does this even work? And yet there is something about Christmas that captures us all. There is something about Christmas that is so irresistible. There is something about what we celebrate today, what we think of today, that everyone in the world, is drawn to and yearns for. I guess there are many parts of it that one sort of can zoom into it, but I, I think even before we get that, so much of what we have as Christmas today, I mentioned Santa Claus, and you know this whole of giving of gifts? We were at a family thing, and somebody said we give gifts because God gave His Son as a gift, and I was the weirdest thought I've ever heard in my life. It's like us getting together on my grandma's birthday and giving one another's gifts because it's her birthday. No one does that. And yet somehow we have brought all of these other practices and ideas and try to stick some form of Christmas or Christian label on it. And giving gifts by itself is not bad. As a matter of fact, we should be generous. It's a good thing to be givers of gifts. Every good and perfect gift comes from Above from the Father of lights. God is a gift giver. We should be gift givers too. I'm not knocking giving gifts. Even kind of at the one thing yesterday, somebody said that, so because God gave His gift, we give our lives as a gift to God. And I was like, no, my children in this room, please don't tell them that. We don't give our lives as gift to God. We, he owns us. I cannot give myself as a gift to somebody who owns me. Scripture says, he has, I've been bought at a price. His blood paid the price for me. And yet there are all of these different ideas that we mix into this big Christmas pot, and they're not sort of bad. I love the idea that Christmas, at least I guess for us in South Africa, is family time traditionally. It's time where even some of us sitting here today, we're sitting with family who are visiting who we wouldn't normally see at different times of the year. One of the reasons why our service is a little bit shorter today is because we know many of us have family outside this building that wouldn't just come here, but we can go and we can celebrate with them, and that's important, and that's great. There's a rest element as well. I work with some Americans from time to time, and I'm always amazed that right now, I guess on on Christmas Day as such, America slows down, but they don't have this holiday season over Christmas that we typically do. I'm always amazed by that. I kind of grew up with the idea that it's normal, December, everything goes quiet. And they were like, no, it doesn't happen here. We carry on through December. <laughs> but for us, sort of, the whole country goes sort of into shutdown from the second week of December into the first week of January. There's this idea of rest that's, for us at least, tied into Christmas. And these things are all beautiful things, although not Jesus' things not saying Jesus is not in them, but we're not going to find them in Scripture. We're not going to find in Scripture that says we must have a party on the 25th of December. we're not going to find in Scripture that says we must come together with family to celebrate the coming of Christ. We're not going to find in Scripture the idea that we must bring gifts to our cousins and the people that we're with, because God gave himself as a gift to us. We're not going to find that in Scripture. It doesn't make it bad. It, it's, a, it's not central. And so I want us for a moment just to stand down and slow down, zoom in. We hear this thing, you know, Jesus is the reason for the season, that, that whole saying. But what is it perhaps that would make the world yearn towards this idea of Christmas? What is it that makes the world yearn and lean into this, embrace this one thing in a faith that the world will definitely not embrace the faith around It's amazing to me how people can have such a great Christmas party and get so drunk. In other words, we, there's some component of Christ that we're drawn towards without the fullness of Christ. Obviously, if we were drawn to Christ in fullness, we would understand that He says to us, do not be drunk with wine in which there's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So my Christmas party would not be filled with wine, but would be filled with the Spirit of God. And yet there's a world that is drawn to Christmas, these Christmas office parties, and sort of central to so many of these Christmas office parties is lewdness and debauchery perhaps even adultery, all things that the person behind the day of Christmas would not only just frown on, but completely judge. And yet, there's this dichotomy, we're able to find ways, in a sense, to merge them in a brokenness, in a world away from Christ. I think one of the reasons why we're so drawn to this idea of Christmas is tied up in a little word that we happen to sing about this morning as well. The idea of hope They're tied in to Christmas. If you're listening to a Josh Groban or a Boney M, who ever thought we'd sing Boney M in church? We've got this program that we use sort of to do all of the slides and stuff to get the lyrics from. And sort of it's a Christian-based thing. So if you can think of a Christian song, it's in there of any description. And we were looking for Boney M. Boney M is not in there. We had to type it out, find a different way to get it. There's nothing wrong with the words of the song as such. But tied into all of these words, and I don't want to knock because I don't know the individuals, but kind of find anybody who's written, sung a Christmas album. In there is hope. They're songs of hope. They might be singing the most depressing songs outside of Christmas, but the Christmas album is going to be filled with hope. Hope for change. Hope for things to be different and to be better. Hope for healing. Hope for peace. Hope for restoration of of some sort and acknowledgement that what we have now is not right. And this idea of Christmas, that there is a hope for it to be different. But like everything in the world, it it can only sort of partially point us, but not solve the solution, not solve the problem. It falls short always in the solution, every solution the world gives us. And normally if you kind of pick a Christmas movie, any Christmas movie, Home Alone, whatever, pick your movie, watch your Christmas movie, and you're going to see two things. These songs, they're going to have two things. There's going to be this element of hope, and the solution is going to be one of two things. The world's going to hold before us Even we need more stuff, new stuff, better stuff, bigger stuff. Go shopping on, on Christmas. Buy bigger gifts. Sort of go into the new year with something that's going to change your life. We're going to find hope in some form of materialism or sort of on the romantic side of the movies. We're going to find hope in different people to love us. There's hope for love and what I have now is not love. And so this movie, it's all about I find love because I find someone new. I find someone different. I find this moment in the stars and suddenly there's love and this hope for love has been answered. What the world tells us as well is next year I need a new Christmas movie because the thing I bought, the gift I got, the love I found, it didn't last it only lasted for so long. So as we come to this idea of Christmas, to Christ who came, the one thing that we always also see from this world is we'll embrace Christmas but not Christ. And one of the reasons we won't embrace Christ is because we'll probably err towards one of two extremes. We'll see that this Christ is Boy child, Mary's boy child we sang about, to gets born on, on Christmas Day apparently, has come to do one of two things. He's come to make us better. He's come to enhance our lives. He's come just to panel beat a little bit and to tweak and to make me a bit better. But without him, I'm still sort of okay. He's just a scratch that I perhaps need to lean on at times when it's really hard but most of the time I'm okay just carrying on in my own way and and so Christ is perhaps a nice to have but he's not really a need to have maybe he'll enhance my enhance my life but it's going to cost me a bit and I don't quite really know if I, I want to go that way The other extreme is he's just come to this killjoy to Take our fun, and our joy, and just live a bland life. And we can't do anything fun when Christ is around. And so we typically fall into one of these two camps. I've had conversations, don't have time sort of to get into them as, as such, but scary, scary conversations with people who told me that they'd rather go to hell because all the boring people are going to be in heaven. Such a, a misunderstanding of of the truth, not only of God's heart and of God's nature, but just the truth and the reality of life and for what awaits us. The reality is that Jesus didn't come to steal our joy and our hope and our freedom and our life. He also didn't come to enhance our life and to make us better. We read in John three sixteen and 17, two verses that are, probably more well-known than anything else in Scripture, at least verse 16, verse 17, for some reason fell off the bus. I think it's even better than verse 16. But I want us to read those two two verses just as a reminder as we think of what what is this gift that we received in Christ. For this is how God loved the world. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so it sounds a little bit different to the way most of us have probably memorized it. This is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. See, one of the realities, if we're honest about Christ, if we're honest about this idea of a boy child born in Jerusalem The Savior, we sang that beautiful Boney M chorus a little bit earlier. He came to save us. See, the reality, the truth that we need to remind ourselves about is that outside of God, we were already dead. See, God didn't come, Jesus didn't come to make good people better or bad people better. He came to make dead people alive. One of the truths that we need to embrace if if we truly want to enter into this joy of Christmas, the freedom of Christmas, the fullness of Christmas, the first thing that we need to understand is that we needed Christmas. We needed Christmas. We needed Jesus to come. Jesus didn't come because God was up in heaven bored or looking at heaven and said, Hey, looking at earth, hey, there's some things down there that I can improve a little bit, so... I'm going to send my son with sort of this assignment and he's going to go and improve. No. He sent his son to fix something that was broken and rotten to its very core. And so at the heart of Christmas is this embracing that I am broken and rotten to the very core. That there is no good in me outside of Jesus, and this is the part of the Christmas message that the world is not going to embrace. We're going to embrace the idea of hope, but we're going to hope for a solution where I don't have to give up control. We're going to hope for a solution where I can remain in charge. We're going to hope for a solution where I don't need to acknowledge that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. You see, outside of God, we were already dead The Christmas story in the eyes of the world is we're okay on our own. And Jesus is a nice thought and a nice bonus. The gospel message is that a king, not a king, the king. We sang about the king a little bit earlier as well. There was a king who was born to take care of his people. One more passage I want us to Look at it in Romans chapter five, and then we'll close. I've got a, just a few minutes left, and then we're going to be done this morning. Romans chapter five. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, and obviously Romans up to this has been building up to the fact that we have been made right in God's sight, but he'll sort of re-emphasize that point a little bit as Paul's writing to this church in Rome. We have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I was thinking on that lyric a little bit earlier peace on earth and mercy mild. Kind of, why mercy mild? How about mercy extreme? Mercy hot. <laughs> Not lemon and herb mercy, but, you know, the hottest. Day. That's the mercy that we have received. We have this hope for peace. We have this yearning for peace. We have this desire for peace. The truth of the gospel is we cannot find peace outside of Jesus. And everything we try is going to fall short. Often we hear a message like this. We read a passage. We read a scripture like this and we think, I already know Jesus. I've found an element of peace so I can just sit back and relax. Every time I read a passage like this, I want to challenge myself to say, Yes, but there are parts of my life where there is not peace and the reign of Christ yet. Perhaps something in my marriage, perhaps the way in which I parent my children, perhaps the way in which I'm going to deal with some of those people I'm going to see later today around a Christmas table. God, I want peace, your peace to reign in every area of my life. You see, the gospel is not only for that moment in which I come to Christ the first time, But the gospel is an understanding I continually, every day, need to come to Christ because I am not okay without Him. I'm not okay. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We have received this incredible gift of life. In Jesus, he carries on and he's, he says, we can rejoice. The world wants to tell us as Christians we can't rejoice and we shouldn't rejoice. And I guess perhaps it's also it's one of two things, perhaps a combination of them. Firstly, a misunderstanding of joy in the eyes of the world. But perhaps an indictment on us as Christians that maybe we are a little bit boring. Maybe we should live and display the joy of Christ more prominently. Maybe we should live in such a way that broken people around us, people far from Christ, look at us and say, you have something in your life that I don't have. And I've tried alcohol, and I've tried sex, and I've tried everything this world promises for joy, and it doesn't fill me the way in which you are filled. We should trust God for that joy to be manifest in our lives. We can and we should rejoice when we run into problems and trials. I I love that sort of paradox there. I remember I say this often. I remember a couple of years ago speaking about sort of this thing for the first time and speaking to a group of students specifically in the evening. And I said, you know, perhaps if you've got a car and you crash your dent, you scratch your car, whatever it is, the next time you do that, what is your first response? Because perhaps a biblical, Jesus-centered first response is, Jesus, thank you that I had a car that I could date. I'm going to rejoice in this moment that I have something here. We're going to rejoice. And why do we rejoice? Because we know they help us develop endurance. Endurance develops strength of character. We've spoken a lot about that these last few months. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because He he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. You see, the hope the world holds before us always leads to disappointment. Always. Those of us who are married, I love my wife But here's a revelation for some of us who are not married yet. And I think perhaps a liberation for those of us who are married. Your spouse is going to disappoint you. As much as you love them, as perfect as they are, they are not a perfect person. Every hope, this hope the world holds before us will always disappoint. The new career will disappoint. The new car will disappoint. It's not. It cannot fulfill that Jesus-shaped whole. And yet there is a hope here that will never disappoint. He carries on in verse 6 and he says, So before we go there, for we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. And so something, whenever we feel empty and disappointed... The first step is to open our heart and to take a moment and say, I want Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill this void where there is disappointment with that of you which cannot lead to disappointment. i be a little bit naughty here. Something that I'm going to make a, a New Year's resolution for me and hopefully for us as a church is I never want to hear anybody say, I need a cup of coffee again. I love to hear us say, I need to worship. I need to praise. I feel down. I feel tired. I feel empty. There's something inside of me, and I want God to fill it. So right now, my body is yearning for a cup of coffee. It's going to take me five minutes to make. What happens if I put a praise on for five minutes? What if I had choose to let the presence of God Fill the void in my life. If you want to have a cup of coffee because it tastes nice, you enjoy it, that's fine. But this dependence, this idea that anything other than Jesus, I need to pick me up. What if we choose to say, I'm going to take and make Jesus the center. I'm going to choose the Holy Spirit whose hope never disappoints. To ask Him to fill my heart with His love. Verse 6, when we were utterly helpless. I love this translation. We were utterly helpless. We had no hope, no way of getting out of this hole ourselves. You see, we weren't okay without Jesus. We were utterly hopeless, doomed for destruction. Christ came at just the right time and died for sinners, for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. In the midst of our badness, He looked at you and He looked at me and He said, I will die for them. And because of that, verse 9 says, Since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. And so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. You see, the world says we cannot embrace the full Christmas message because God is going to steal our joy on the one hand. Or on the other hand, we don't really need to. We're okay without it. And yet the gospel says neither of those are true. The gospel says that we need to fully embrace it because without it, we are utterly useless and doomed. And perhaps that's new for some of us sitting here today. And I want to say that to you with love and with grace, is that if you are completely honest, if you go and take a few moments today and look at your life, and ask, what am I able to do to fix, to solve myself? How am I able to scratch away one small piece of my sin and my sinfulness out of my own power? You'll quickly realize you're completely unable to do so. The other extreme why we can't embrace Christianity and the Christmas message in its fullness is because it's boring and it's going to steal our life. And yet what Paul says to us here, what the gospel holds before us is exactly the opposite is true. It's going to lead us into the fullness of life that we would not have begun to comprehend outside of Christ. A wonderful new relationship. A little bit earlier I said the two things that the world holds before us is more stuff and different people. It's interesting that those are parallels of exactly what the world holds, exactly what God holds before us. He holds before us a gift that no one else can give us, the gift of His blood and a relationship which will never fail. A love which we don't need to renew. We don't need a new Christmas movie next year when our romance this year is with Christ. You know, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. The next day, you gave it away. God is not going to give away your heart ever. So much so that He said, I would rather die than lose your heart. So today, as we think about this Christmas message, this idea that Jesus came, let's live that. Let us celebrate that. Let us go to our Christmas parties with family. Let us carry this message in around us that there is a joy unspeakable hidden inside of me because the Spirit of the living God dwells within me. And there is a freedom and a hope. I am not bound by sin. I'm not bound by shame anymore. I have been set free. I can live in righteousness with Christ because of the gospel. There is hope. I don't have to be afraid of what's going to happen to my heart tomorrow. I don't have to worry, is this movie going to last a year? Is this romance going to end? No, there is an eternal life in Christ. That there is peace on earth. That there is peace in every facet of my life and everywhere where there is not peace, I can stop, take a step back and simply say, Jesus, let Christmas come into this moment. Because that's why you came, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. You did not come to make my life better. You didn't come to enhance my life. You didn't come to take my reasonably okay life and polish it up a bit. You came to make everything that's dead inside of me alive. And so I received your breath of life. Come and make me alive. For us to embrace Christmas, I think we embrace that question, that yearning in our heart, that song we ended up with, Jesus, all of our affection, all of our devotion, it's in you. And out of that flows the love for my wife, for my husband, for my children, for my family members. Out of the love that you've poured into my heart, there is an overflow of true selfless love that I can hold before the world. Can we stand together? I'd love to pray for us this morning as we go into this world, carrying a Christmas message, a message that Christ came to dwell with us because we needed Him to. So, Jesus, thank You for this day, Lord. Thank You that, Lord, today we can be with family, most of us a little bit later, Lord God, And be with family and have Jesus on our lips and on their lips, Lord. That all across the world today, Jesus, your name is on the lips of every person. And we pray, Jesus, that today the hope of the world would be shown to be empty, Lord God. Lord, all of the fullness of this world would be shown to be foolishness, Lord. And emptiness. And Lord, that for us here today, we would just anew discover the grace that we have in the gift of Jesus. Lord. That Father, you gave your Son, so that whoever believes in it will not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. Not to judge us and not to condemn us, but that we could be saved through you. And Jesus, we acknowledge we need to be saved, Lord God. The depths of our hearts need to be saved. Our lives need to be saved. Our marriages need to be saved. Our children and our parenting need to be saved. And so we say, Jesus, come and save and breathe life as only you can, Lord. We choose to receive that. We want to live in that, Lord. We want to live in the Christmas message 365 days of the year, God. Because you didn't only come to bring hope today. You came to bring hope for all mankind, for all of eternity, Lord. And Lord, even today as we go and be with different people, and tomorrow and in the week and the weeks to come, God, we pray for grace that we may invite others into living the Christmas message every day of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your time this morning. If you need prayer, perhaps there's something I said and there's something inside of you. that I need the peace of God in this area of my life. I need God to breathe life over death inside of me in some area, maybe in all of it, maybe a small way. We would love to pray with you. So I want to invite you to step forward and allow us to pray with you if you do need prayer. If you need to go, obviously you are more than welcome to go. There's coffee and tea as always outside. You're welcome to hang around, have some coffee and tea. But may God truly bless you and fill you with peace and joy and all of those beautiful things we sing about in the Christmas songs. May you truly discover them all in Christ today. God bless you all.